I'm Bill Moss. You are watching American Patriot News. In uh, a couple of breaking news stories today, federal judge Kerry Doty in Louisiana has ordered uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci and Jen Psaki, the president's former press secretary, to testify in a case against the Biden administration where they are have been not only threatening social media companies, but coercing with social media companies to hide any um, objection to or any problems that come up with COVID uh, and the vaccines and stuff over the period of time that everybody's been getting these shots. Uh, they have also been also coercing them not to uh, allow any discussion on Hunter Biden's laptop and his business dealings. Uh, so this is going to be interesting to watch this lawsuit play out. And, uh, it, you know, a lot of times uh, the lawsuits will go from a lawsuit to a criminal charge, you know, as they investigate into the lawsuit. So it, the Biden administration might be in for a really rough and rocky road here on this. Uh, the other thing I want to bring up is Fox News reported today that people who are ordering their fuel oil now, uh, if you if you got a fuel oil tank and you call and you say I want to fill up, uh, you know I need 200 gallons. They say, well, uh, you can only get 50 gallons. You can only get a quarter of what you're ordering. Uh, so I guess if you want 200 gallons, maybe you need to call and order 800. Uh, but this is where we're at. Uh, and personally, I'm gonna make a bit of commentary on this before I bring my guest in. Uh, and this doesn't isn't necessarily his commentation. This is mine. I want to make that clear. Uh, when you have a president that sells oil to our to our nation's enemies, sure. when he sells it to a, a company that his son owns ten percent of, that finances the Chinese Communist Republic, uh, when you sell it to that oil company and your son gets ten percent, and we already know you get five percent back. Where's the people that investigate the emoluments on this? I want to know where that's going. Um, but when you have that, this is what happens. Now, we've already got a food shortage. Babies can't get formula. People some places can't get food. Uh, you can't get just necessary items that you need, health and hygiene items in a lot of places. And right here in Kentucky, a lot of times we'll walk in and the stores just look like they've been raided and stuff gone. Uh, so, I mean, we're watching this play out across the country. Uh, now, I believe, I, I don't know how many of you read Agenda 21, where it talks about depopulation of Earth in 21 and, tw and 2030. Uh, but I believe this is all part of it. Uh, we started out with uh, causing people uh, to get this COVID because it was manufactured. Uh, then we give them the shots, which have an enormous death rate. And then we turn around and now we're going to start freezing them to death. Now I testified before the Louisville board of Alderman years ago and stopped winter cutoffs in Louisville at that time. I don't know if they're still cut off or not, but when you don't have heat, people die, people die. And I testified about how I had went in to a home and brought a man out that his core temperature was 83 degrees. When we got him to the hospital, he died of hypothermia. Uh, so these are the kind of things that you do when you sell the nation's oil reserves off to our enemies. You use them to make profit or you use them 
to release them to get the gas down just a little bit before an election. And the, the, the cost of this is more than likely going to turn out to be death. That is my commentary for today. I want to introduce to you now Mike Harmon. Uh, Mike is candidate for Kentucky governor. Mike, you're the first mm -hmm. governor candidate to come on the show. Uh, I thank you for being here today. Uh, I want to go ahead. I just said my honor to be on the show. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate I want to start out. I want you to just kind of lay out your platform to people like you sure. were standing up, giving a speech, and then we'll talk about it. Sure, sure. Well, uh, you know, kind of give you a little background uh, about myself. Of course, uh, if I was given a speech, I, I usually always start with something funny, but it's it's sometimes it's tough to tell a joke on a, <laughs> a, a, a Zoom, but I, I'll just tell the one joke that I tell, the shortened joke I tell sometimes, you know, since I've been auditor, uh, you know, we've been making, we were kind of like the fellow that invented the corduroy pillow. We've been making headlines. So, uh, but, uh, you know, we, <laughs> we, we, we stay, uh, we stay very busy, but now to give you a little background, uh, I first started running, uh, for office, uh, back in, uh, uh 20, I'm sorry, 19, uh, 1998, uh, basically in 96, I went down to boat bill and, uh, there was only one person on the ballot for state rep. Now they might be the, not person you'd ever know, but, uh, but, you know, they didn't, uh, we, I didn't think we lived in Russia. So I thought people should have an opportunity. Now, to be honest with you, I lived in an area that was heavy, heavy, uh, Democrat. Uh, but, uh, you know, I made the decision, prayed about it, talked to my wife about it. 98, uh, I ran, I raised $3,300. Uh, the guy that had been there forever, he didn't run. Uh, there was another guy that, uh, so he, he set out and then, there was three away primary on the other side and the Democrat that came out, it was the mayor of the largest city uh, in that area. And so he raised probably about 45 to my, and, and I ended up knocking on every door, getting 43% of the vote. So I outperformed, uh, thought about it, prayed about it, ran again in 2000. By that time I raised 5,500, uh, the other, uh, the guy that had, I'd run against before he raised about 45 and ended up getting about 49.3% of the vote lost by less than 200 votes. Uh, and if I had more time, I'd go in the difference between uh, a recount and a recanvas. But I found out that if it was a recount, I had to pay for it. And I was like, well, let's do that recanvas thing. And uh, but anyway, so I decided to run another time, third time. Well, that third time, the guy I ran against twice, decided not to run. And they ran an attorney against me. And of course, no disrespect to attorneys. But that time, that attorney had sued several of the local doctors. So that time I raised about thirty five thousand. And uh, I think he was still raised about 45, their opponent. And we won, got about 57% of the vote. And I became the first Republican from Boyle County to be elected uh, to the uh, state house in 102 years. So served 13 years. And uh, in 2011, during the time frame I was serving, um, I uh, ran for uh, lieutenant governor with Phil Moffitt. We were the Tea Party endorsed slate. We fell a little short in the primary, but, but we got real close. And then in 2015, God kind of laid on my heart to run for auditor. And, uh, you know, it was kind of the David and Goliath race, to be honest with you. I only had $45,000 going up against Adam Eland, who had $800,000. Uh, you know, Rachel Maddow described him as the next up-and-coming Southern Democrat uh, compared to Bill Clinton. And, uh, you know, we God laid on my heart about three weeks before the race to uh, get five stones, you know, because it was a David and Goliath race. And we think of David and Goliath, we think of the one stone that David went out to get, but we don't think about the five stones. And so I had taken a rock tumbler my wife had given me as a gag gift, took five stones out of it. Now they weren't 
they weren't uh, smooth like David's because I, I hadn't actually used the rock tumbler, but I stuck them in the baggie. And about two weeks before the election, I talked to a good friend of mine uh, who was in the house. He was actually the opposite political party, but a strong, strong Christian. And uh, he said, I got this book I want you to read. And I said, man, I don't have time to read a book. I said, uh, you know, I'm getting that before everybody. I'm going to bed after everybody. Uh, but uh, he he said, I'll mark 11 pages. And the book was David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. And uh, the pages that I, I read, uh, they were basically said that the underdog wins a third of the time. Part of it is they've got to you know, trust in the Lord with all their heart. And then they've got to leave it on the line with well, the night of the election. Uh, the results were coming in and uh, things going back and forth. Of course, last poll, I was down by nine in the polls. But you know, I said, guys, let's get together. And so we prayed and uh, I said, you know, Lord, I'm going to praise you whether we win. I'm going to praise you whether we lose. But uh, oh, I could use a victory. And uh, it flipped and it never came back. And and uh, I became the first Republican elected to the auditor's office since 1967. And the very first thing I did when I went in is I told everybody we don't turn anyone. We don't give anybody a pass. We just simply follow the data. I felt like that was important uh, for an auditor to do. And, uh, you know, so so we stay busy. Of course, we we've done a lot. We've worked hard uh, to hold uh, this governor accountable. It was our office that found out that there was well over 400,000 emails that was sent to the unemployment assistance line when everybody was desperately needing to get their unemployment. And, uh, uh, you know, they just archived. They didn't even bother looking at it. And uh, we our office found there were 10 employees within the Office of Unemployment Insurance that applied for unemployment compensation. These were full time employees uh, and accessed their own accounts, even though they had been specifically trained not to access their own accounts. Now, that particular one will refer to the Office of Attorney General uh, as well as Executive Branch Ethics. Uh, so so we've worked hard, uh, you know, to, to protect the values now. What the 13 years in the house, you know, right now we've talked a lot about uh, these COVID mandates and, uh, you know, these vaccine mandates. And, uh, you know, I, I remember this is not the first time we've had to deal with these mandates. I remember when I was in the house, uh, there was a push to require that young ladies wanting to go to school, public or private, to have to have the uh, HPV virus uh, vaccine. And, uh, you know, most of the people that were pushing it were Democrats. Sadly, there were a few Republicans, but most of them were Democrats. So good people like myself and other Republicans, we pushed and and we actually got that uh, stopped so that they didn't actually mandate uh, that. So uh, from the standpoint last year, I was the first uh, you said I was the first gubernatorial candidate to come on show, Bill. I, I think I was the first one to actually file to run for governor. And uh, people ask me, you know, well, Mike, why, why are you running for governor? And I, I tell them, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian and, and uh, I'm a husband and a father and a grandfather. And I want my kids and my grandkids and hope someday my great grandkids to live in a state where they can feel like they can accomplish anything. And I mean anything. But, you know, sadly, Bill, you know, you know, our current governor, he's put so much of a focus of fear over freedom. Instead of freedom over fear, I mean, think about it. He focused on fear over freedom when he shut down people's businesses. He focused on fear over freedom when after he shut down their businesses, he shut down the in-person unemployment offices. And most importantly, he focused on fear over freedom when he shut down our churches and sent the state police out to enforce it. So, you know, 
we're going to need uh, we're going to need a governor that uh, that puts a focus on freedom over fear, not fear over freedom. Now, I, I'll be the first to tell you I'm not the the most polished of politicians, but uh, you know if you want someone that uh, loves the Lord, and loves his family, and loves this country, and in that order, well, certainly I hope you think of me. Uh, if you want somebody that's fought for your freedoms and your liberties. Uh, you know, for really my entire life, but definitely politically for 20 plus years. Well, I, I hope you'll think of me, uh, you know, we're staying pretty busy from, you know, from a policy standpoint. Uh, certainly, I appreciate the direction that our General Assembly is taking from our uh, taxation in Kentucky. You know, we're incrementally moving away from the income tax, trying to eliminate that so that Kentucky can be as, uh, you know, competitive with uh, other states like Florida and Texas and uh, Tennessee, uh, from a standpoint of, you know, other issues, uh, I, I certainly think that we need to work uh, to empower our parents uh, that, you know, in the especially in the education of their children, but in all aspects of their children, you know, government has slowly tried to erode away the rights of the parents. Uh, not just in their education, but across the board, but definitely in the educational standpoint. And uh, I've always been, yeah, you know, I, I truly believe that our, our current traditional education, I'm a product of, of traditional public education, and I truly believe that will continue to be the, the foundation uh, of, you know, of our education. But we need those other peers uh, in that, you know, in there, both including private Christian education, private education, homeschool. You know, Bill, I've had kids in public school, private Christian school, and homeschool, and their strengths and weaknesses in all of them. Right. Uh, you know, uh, and to be honest with you, I've always been a school choice proponent. Sorry, I got a train in the background here, but uh, I've always been a, a school choice uh, proponent. And in years ago, uh, you know, it was uh, during, I guess it was. I don't know the exact year, but it was during Ernie Fletcher's, but it wasn't Ernie Fletcher I was talking to. I was talking to a local KEA president, and she was like, Mike, we always appreciate your stances for the teachers. Because we, you know, I agree with the KEA on, on a lot of stuff, but, uh, you know, I always appreciate it. But why, why are you for school choice? And, and I said, you know, I explained to her statistically, because, you know, uh, stats was one of my major statistically, parents, even if they choose public schools, are still much happier if they have a choice. And she looked me right in the eye of Bill and she said, but Mike, if you let parents choose, they would never choose our school. And, you know, to me, that blew me away for multiple. You know, I knew that school. I knew the I knew the teachers in that school had worked their butt off to get that school back up to where it needed to be. I knew the parents had worked with the teachers to get that school where it needed to be. But the fact that a teacher that was in that school believe they were putting out subpar product that wasn't competitive. I mean, that broke my heart for the teachers that were in the school that had worked their butt off. It broke my heart for the parents that were in that school. It broke my heart for the kids. Yeah. You know, uh, so the more that we can do to create competition, uh, you know, in the schools really across the board, the better off we're going to be. But, you know, a, a Harmon administration will be, be very uh, a freedom oriented, uh, economic oriented, you know, I, I think from a standpoint, you know, when I travel to the East people in East Kentucky, you know, people say felt like they're forgotten. When I travel to the West Kentucky, people in West Kentucky feel like they're forgotten. And, and what we need to do is to make sure that no part of Kentucky 
uh, is forgotten. Um, you know, especially economic development. You know, I'm 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 fine, and I think it's great that we're getting these big factories. And of course, our current governor tries to take credit for all of, it, but really, it's the uh, the the economic freedom that has been set up by the Republicans uh, in the General Assembly that has allowed all this growth. And, and I'm and I'm fine for these huge factors coming in, but what what we need is, you know, especially in the East, we need, you know, whether it's little factories or little businesses of 50 or 100, 150, 200, you know, in locations where people can travel, you know, 45 minutes or less to get to their job, especially unfortunately with the cost of fuel as it is now, uh, you know, and big factories are fine, but when they fold, and they will eventually fold, whether it's 30 years, 40 years, or one year, you know, they will eventually fold. And when they do, that creates that sucking sound of all the jobs and all that. And it takes a, a lot longer to recover when a when a larger business folds uh, in that regard. So we've got to put a focus on a lot of every aspect of Kentucky and make sure that no part of Kentucky is forgotten. That uh, that sounds good, Mike. Uh, the 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 part about the schools is a very major, and we've talked about this a very major point to me. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people look at me and say, "Oh, there's dumb old country boy from Kentucky." Uh, I've got more education than a lot of people know about. Okay. Right. Sure. Sure. And um, I went back at thirty, and I stayed in school till I was almost thirty-eight. No way. You so, did. Uh, I've got I've got some education, uh, but my studies were child and family services, okay, type related and development type courses, and so naturally the schools interest me, and uh, there are currently this CRT is bad enough, but now we're right. this gender thing. And now we're getting into whether they're human or animal. Okay. But how many of them can read? How many of them can write? How many of them can do Well, math? fourth and eighth grade. Just statistics just come out today. Fourth and eighth right. grade statistics on reading are down three points. Oh, yeah. We weren't heavy on them to start with. Right. We would, they're not saying what grade level, but they're just saying it's down another three points. Okay. And yeah. we were, you know, we had high school kids. I know some high school kids get out and can't read, period. Right. right. Can't read no their comprehension. Yeah. And uh, so this is a problem for me. I think we're spending too much time, Mike, on critical race theory, too much time on gender, you know, whether they are a he, a she, a it, or them, or a they. Any time is too much time. Right. I mean, I mean, if, if kids can't, we need to get back to the basics, reading, writing, and arithmetic. How you know, can my, you as governor do that help us get there? Well, we, we can do a, a, a lot of things. I mean, we, we, we're not the silver bullet, but we can do a lot of things. Obviously, you know, the first thing that uh, Governor uh, Bashir did when he first came in was, uh, you know, restructure the school board, the state school board. Well, that killed a lot of, of the good things that Bevan had done with the school board. So I think from the standpoint, we need to reform the school board. Now, there's been some changes since then. So we had to get cooperation with the state Senate and, and uh, the state house, but the state Senate especially. Uh, and of course, I have good working relationships with the state since I was in the house for 13 years, good working relationships with them. But, but we need people on the school board 
that are not only, you know, we do need some from public education, but we also need some that ha have worked with private Christian education. We need some on the school board that have, uh, you know, worked with like these homeschooling consortiums. And, and we need people that are, are reviewing the curriculum and making sure that the curriculum is good. The other thing we need is we need to increase competition. Uh, you know, I, I believe in, I told you earlier, I believe in school choice. Now, some people say, oh, now, Mike, if you're talking vouchers, uh, you know, we've got Blaine amendments that are contained in our constitution. And that's true. But there's been several in other states where the Blaine amendments have been challenged and they've all been found unconstitutional. It was a guy that was trying to discriminate against, you know, people of faith way back when. It's, it's right. a, the discrimination against people of faith is nothing new. They've been trying to do it for years and years and years. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's worse than others. So the more choice we can provide, the more options. And to be honest with you, we need to we need to work with our public school teachers, too. You know, we're frustrated. But guess what? I've talked to multiple public school teachers, some of them that are still in, some of them that got out just because they couldn't take it anymore, that are frustrated with what's going on as well. So, uh, you know, we've got, you know, certainly not all. It's like anything else. There's 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 good and bad in any profession you want to pick. But we've got some great teachers. If we can just free them up, uh, you know, in there, do we have some that probably aren't as good? Sure. But that's true of anything. Uh, so the, the more competition, the more freedom uh, and, and the more that we can do to, you know, actually listen to the teachers as well. And when I say teachers, I mean teachers. I don't mean the teachers unions. Unfortunately, they've, they've gone off the well, at least KA, you know, has kind of gone overboard. And, and I don't know that they'll ever return. Uh, but the teachers themselves are wonderful. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that I would never get the, the endorsement of the KEA, but some of the teachers that were sitting on the board, the KEA wouldn't let them, you know, vote for the people they wanted to, uh, would invite me in for a cup of coffee and a piece of pie, you know, uh, when I was doing door to door. So it's, you know, it's, it's just amazing. So there's not going to be a silver bullet, but the first step is heading in the right direction. Uh, but certainly, you know, and to be honest with you, when we started doing, when we as a state, not, you know, started doing sex education years and years and years ago, you know, I, I don't know that it was ever envisioned to go down as the early grades that, you know, as it is now. I, I, I'm not sure there shouldn't be, there should, I don't, not sure there should be any sex education maybe before ninth grade. And I'm not even sure after that. I, I'm not, if, we, if the kids can't read, we don't need to be worrying about any of that stuff. Parents can uh, take care of that at home. There has been a lot of uh, concern in this country, Mike, over election integrity. Right. Uh, Kentucky has been named as one of the states to be concerned about. And uh, we recently had a, a couple of candidates in, in the May elections that asked for a count, a recount. Right. They pay for the recount. They got the judge's order for a recount. Yet Secretary Adams refuses to turn over the paper ballots. Dismisses them as conspiracy fanatics, even with court order. What could be done about that? 
I'm not sure what could be done about that specifically. Uh, I, I am a, a little, if I understood everything that I was, that I had read, because I, I think I'm familiar with at least one of the individual cases that you're speaking about. And I am, my understanding was that the judge originally, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the, my understanding, the judge actually set the bond level and uh, they actually posted that bond. I think it was, I'm, I think it's like 21000 or something. It was some dollar amount in that range, if I remember correctly. They actually posted it. And then there was a separate judicial ruling that said that they didn't have to do it. And then I guess they didn't give them their money back, which I, one, I, I think is ridiculous. Uh, and, and I'm doing this just based on what I remember. I, I don't, like I said, I may be off on something on this, but if those are the facts, uh, as you've indicated that a bond was set and they provided that money, uh, and then they failed to either do the recount and or return the money, uh, that is, um, uh, very disappointing and disheartening, uh, and should not happen at a minimum, they should have their money restored. Um, you know, if they're not going to allow uh, that to go on. Now, you know, going back to when I was talking originally, you know, when I ran that second race that I lost in the state house, um, you know, they asked me, since it was less than 200 votes, they asked me, do you want to recount or re-canvas? And I, I did ask them at that time, what and it's a little different because we didn't have every ballot, wasn't a paper ballot back then. Right. Uh, and we're still not quite there, but we're getting closer and closer. Uh, but anyway, they told me, well, a, a re-canvas is we just re-add up. And then I think the mail-in absentee ballots, I think they actually did count those again uh, and re-add up. But the uh, recount was we check the machines, we do everything. And, and on the recounts, you have to pay for it. And I was yeah. like, well, how much? Of course, that was the race I raised $5,500. I was like, well, how much is it? They said, we can't tell you. I was like, well, well, what do you mean you can't tell me? I mean, is it 5000 or 50000 They said, we can't tell you. And, and I'd only raised the 5500 So I was like, well, I guess it's a re-canvas we're going to be doing. So, uh, you know, so I, I felt a little weird uh, back then uh, as well. But, but certainly if someone, if a judge sets a bond level and they pay it uh, and they need to do, they either need to read to do the do can redo the count or, you know, uh, I do a recount or at a minimum, they need to restore that money. Uh, it's, it, it would be ridiculous if they do not. I am an advocate, Mike, for uh, having recalls. Kentucky, right, at this point does not have recalls. I right. think it would have been very beneficial to us over the last couple of years had we had a recall. Right. Right. And, and you would, you know, to do that, I believe you'd have to do a constitutional amendment to be able mm -hmm. to make it to where we could do a recall. So, but that, that is one thing that I'm, I'm interested in. Uh, I want to get into the family table issues here real quick. Uh, sure. Parents, let, let me just lay out what I'm hearing and you can, it might be able to co-mingle how it interacts. Right. Uh, people are concerned about the amount of food they're able to put on the table for their families. They're concerned about their fuel, not only to drive back and forth to work, to carry goods to and from stores. Mm -hmm. uh, let's face it. There are no railroad tracks that go into grocery stores. There's no railroad tracks that go to Walmarts or places like that. Uh, 
everything that's shipped by rail or shipped by boat or shipped by air has to go to the stores by trucks. Uh, there's a politician. I've not been able to confirm this yet, but I was told there's a politician that stayed here over the weekend up in Washington. We've only got 25 days worth of diesel fuel left. This is a concern for people. Uh, like I say, I have not confirmed that yet, but I mean, okay. Uh, but that is being said. Uh, prescription drugs, uh, you know, Trump had it down where if you was on insulin, the most you had to pay was $35 a month. Okay. My right. insulin alone without insurance would be 6000 a month. Right. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'm blessed to have insurance that covers it. Uh, but uh, then you've got the issues of medical freedom, okay, that rolls in on top of that. Uh, those are, are seem to be the things that's driving most of the people right now about how their decisions are going to go at the poll. The food, the fuel, the drugs, medical freedom, and, of course, like we talk about, education. Sure. Uh, those, those, to me, are, from the people I talk to, those are the things that's driving them on how they're going to vote. So what do you say about those issues? Well, I mean, from the standpoint, of course, we're going to see it here in the 2022 elections. I mean, just back in June, it looked like that the, the red wave was, you know, going to be stopped or at least not be nearly as strong. And now, you know, inflation is still dramatically up. Uh, you know, gas prices are creeping up. Yeah, just a, yeah, yeah, just an inch. Now, you know, the, our current president would like to say that they're going down. But, you know, if you look at the comparison, uh, when he first started, uh, I mean, he was attacking the fossil fuel industry uh, from day one, which is driving it up. And, and of course, there's and you've probably talked about it a little bit somewhere along the lines, not in this podcast, but one of the things we're looking at, I'm also a member of uh, SFOF, uh, State Financial Officer Foundations. And one of the things we've been looking diligently uh, into is the problems with ESGs, uh, environmental social governance, uh, and incorporating those uh, in the investing. And what is happening in companies like BlackRock and other, their CEOs are taking our pension funds and using the proxies uh, you know, on those uh, to try to take over companies or divest from anything or to force companies not to invest in fossil fuels. Well, you know, our president was saying the other day that, well, these companies don't want to invest in, in, in any more infrastructure or any more. Well, of course they don't. If everybody, including the president himself, is attacking the fossil fuel industry, why would you want to put your money into it? So uh, we have, you know, I, I sit on public pension oversight and I've made them aware that we are watching that and actually one of the heads of it pulled me aside later on and thanked me uh, for that because we want to make sure that we watch that but we've got to get our fuel cost under control that's generally about a third of the cost of, of products so if we can get that under control uh, and the only way you're going to get that under control is put republicans back in charge uh, now this this flip over, which will, I believe, will occur, we will definitely take the House back and, and uh, it looks more and more like we're going to take the Senate back. That will be more of a firewall. There'll be some things that they can do to slow uh, what the president has done in regards to our fossil fuels. Uh, but until we replace the president, we can only be as much of a firewall. But what can we do in the interim? 
Uh, well, I mean, I think Kentucky in and of itself needs to look at ways uh, to incentivize and, and help clear the way for regulations, but developing our own fossil fuels, uh, you know, it's from a standpoint, I mean, we have oil, we have gas, natural gas, uh, you know, one, one city, Somerset has their own natural gas plant, you know, uh, and I'm sure there's others that are similar to that. So the more we can focus on regionalizing that and trying to keep as much regulations, definitely minimizing the state regulations, but doing what we can to intercede uh, and incentivize to the development. Because um, let, let's face it, you know, I'm an all the above energy guy, but it should be the competition, whichever one goes best. But we can't shut one off that is our primary source uh, until the others are not just partially, but fully developed. And right now, solar and wind is not going to be able to provide all our resources. Especially I mean, if we go electric cars. Well, and, and you look at you look at the uh, electric grids out in California, where they're buying most of their power from out of state uh, because they don't believe uh, in you know production of it uh, in state. Uh, they're trying to eliminate the the gas uh, automobiles uh, by I think it's twenty thirty five. But right after they passed that, they told everybody that uh, they couldn't plug the cars in for a week because because of some of the power outages they were already had and so, if you got a if you got a smart meter out there they can actually turn off what appliances they want in your house right right you know well, you know your they air condition your car you know well you know they were doing that a while in kentucky and then they they put uh they put a bunch of uh those uh smart meters and people well thermostats in people's houses and there was i don't know if that actually happened or if they thought it was going to happen but Apparently, some of them caught on fire and they were afraid they were going to burn everybody's houses down. So I don't know if they're still doing anything <laughs> like that or not. But but I never did. I, I wouldn't sign up uh, for the one where they wanted to put it on your uh, heating and air conditioner because they said they'd give you an extra five dollars a month. But it's like, you know, why do you want someone to have control you know, over whether you can heat or cool yourself? Because what they do, you know. For a short period of time, that means they can do for a long period of time. If the government decides, I mean, the government decides to come in and take that over, you know. Well, I mean, you know, if you stop and think about it. If, if they get need the money, they can always turn your heat up and make you pay more. <laughs> I mean, there's another way of looking at it, or your air conditioner well, down, you, you know. There you so, go. So, I mean, it, you know, it, it goes back again to freedom. You don't, don't give away your freedom for somebody else don't to control give, your home. Not, don't uh, give away freedoms speaking of freedoms second amendment big yes. issue in kentucky yes. kentucky is a sanctuary second second amendment sanctuary state yes joe biden says that he's gonna take away sanctuary states for second amendment if it came to that would you as governor Claim our state sovereignty. Not not saying succeed, okay, but claim our sovereignty. Well, well, we there's yeah, a we, difference, and say, we, look, we control that in our state. That is out of the purview of the federal government. It's not in your articles, right? Well, the, stand the, up the, and tell the, them that. The two things: one, you've got the ninth and the tenth amendment. You know, the tenth is always talked about, but the ninth, to a certain degree, applies as well. That for those sovereignty provisions, but but listen, the the second amendment is a a both a federal and state uh, uh, constitutional right. Uh, right. So, you know, right now, uh, from the standpoint, definitely I, if a president tried to 
uh, you know, take over that particular right. Well, one, he shouldn't be able to do it based on our federal constitution, but he's definitely not going to do it based on our state state. And we would do everything. I would do everything in my power to make sure that everybody has that right. You know, a few years ago, we passed concealed carry uh, without uh, having to have a concealed carry pass. You still have the reciprocity. Well, uh, actually, yeah, constitutional care, exactly. And and I had that particular bill years ago, all the way back in 2010. But unfortunately, at that time, uh, there was no, uh, the, the Republicans were not in control of the House, so it didn't really go anywhere. But if you Google, you can find out that I actually carried that bill all the way back in 2010 as well. Okay. All right. So that, that was one of the things. There are two things that's coming up on this primary. Yes. The Amendment 1 and Amendment 2. Yes. Both, yes on both of them. <laughs> Keep okay. it simple. Tell them what yes means on both of them. All right. Well, Constitution, uh, the, the, the first one merely uh, allows, and, and I think they have to set a few days aside while they're in session, but it allows the General Assembly to call themselves back into session. You know, right now, uh, once they are out of session, the only individual that can call the General Assembly back in is the governor. And, you know, uh, if you had asked me whether about this amendment five or six years ago, I would say I probably would vote no. Uh, but after what we have seen with Governor Bashir and after we have seen, uh, you know, how he has you know, used the power of the government more as a tyrant uh, during his time frame. Uh, and then as soon as the General Assembly got back in, they were able to bring him in uh, with their constitutional powers. Uh, it makes me want to vote yes. Now, somebody said, well, what if, you know, what if it's the opposite? What if you've got a Republican governor that believes in freedom and you got Democrats out there? And that might be the case. But I think as a balance, uh, I think it's still good. No one man should have so much power uh, without having the opportunity to be arraigned in. People always talk about, you know, if you're talking about the judiciary, they say this. If you're talking about the General Assembly, sometimes they say it talking about the governor, they'll say it, but they always talk about the separations of power. What they don't always like to talk about is the checks and balances that are included. Right. And, and this is just another check and balance. It, it won't allow the General Assembly to, to run rampant. It'll just allow them to call themselves back in and hold the governor accountable. Now, on the second constitutional amendment, it's the, the pro-life constitutional amendment, there's some confusion uh, over out there in the confusion comes in uh, the other side trying to be very deceptive about that. All the second constitutional amendment does uh, in Kentucky on the ballot is state that nothing in this bill, there, there, there should be no inherent right in our constitution uh, for an abortion or to have an abortion paid for. And, and what I've said in my endorsement video, because I've endorsed the yes for life uh, cause, is that it doesn't change any laws in the past. It really doesn't change any laws in the future. All it does is keep a judge, a radical judge, from legislating from the bench. If a judge wants to legislate, he should resign the judiciary and, and run for the General Assembly, whether state house or state senate. Uh, the, the judiciary should not be making law. They should be interpreting law. Uh, and so that's all it does. It, it, it's a pro-life uh, amendment in the extent that it restores it to the, the General Assembly. Uh, so it actually restores it back to the people and by extension, 
their elected representatives. So I would so encourage each state to, can vote and decide upon their own, right? Yeah, each state can vote because right. what what they're afraid of and what probably will happen because it's actually uh, our our pro life bills are actually before our courts right now, but they've kind of waited until after uh, this election to see how the people vote on this amendment. What we don't want to happen is the judiciary to find the same right that was found in Roe versus Wade that, by the way, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was actually very pro-choice, said was a terrible ruling, was a terrible ruling. There is not a right of privacy in either the federal or our state constitution, you know, especially when it comes in regards to abortion. So, uh, so there's no right there, but a judge could create a right out of the air. Now, here's the thing. If a judge creates a right out of the air in Kentucky for an abortion, well, guess what? You know, they could, a judge could say, you know, they can have, you can't check it at all. You can have an abortion up to the ninth month. Maybe you can have an abortion the day after. Maybe a judge says, hey, you know, we got to use taxpayer dollars to pay for an abortion. So all of that should be in the General Assembly. It should not be in the hands of the judiciary. Judiciary. Uh, You know, and I just want to bring this up. The the right, uh, they're trying to say, well, this will do away with contraceptives. This will do away with... That's a lie. It's a lie. It's it's a lie. And the other thing they're saying is if, you know, sadly, if a young lady has a tubal pregnancy or if uh, a miscarriage or something like that, they're not going to be able to get their health care. And that's just a lie. We've we've always had even long, you know, any type of of legislation. There have been pro-life legislation all the way back to the 1920s, you know, here. But every legislation always has the provisions to protect uh, you know, when a mother's life is, is in danger. So, so that it's just a bunch of lies and deceptions in that regards. Well, you know, you and I, we, we're both on the pro-life side of this. Sure. Okay. I always and, that's why I got involved initially. And being pro-life, you know, and we sit back and we look at the lies that are being told and they're totally ridiculous. One, uh, there's one part of the extreme right that wants to be able to have abortions up to six years old. Okay. You mean the extreme uh, left? Yeah. Yeah. Extreme left. I'm sorry. The extreme yes. left. Yes. And uh, they want to have abortions up to six years old. So if you change your mind, you know, like, well, that kid's terrible twos are too bad. <laughs> Which is axing. You know, it's like getting cut from the team. Uh, but yet they say that's their right. But at the heartbeat, into my understanding and, and my belief, when the when the heart begins to beat, that first beat of the heart, that's where life begins. You know, as, as that that is life. And there's you know, and I don't care what you say. You can say, oh well, that's just something they make up on a on a tape to show you at your ultrasound, like Stacey Abrams is saying and stuff right. like that. But that's you know, that is life. And once that you carry that baby to the point, you, you know, if you've had regretful sex, there's the day after a pill. If you've been raped, there's a day after a pill. Okay. If you want to report a rape and have an abortion, I can I can somewhat 
agree with that. Okay. But you don't wait until you're ready to have the abortion report the right. You do it while the evidence is still there. So well, and you, and you were talking about up to six years. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, I you were joking, but we're we're kind of there in some states. Oh, I wasn't joking. There are states that want to do that. Yeah, but 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 I mean, from the standpoint, I mean, you just look at what they're doing in some states, and they don't they don't even necessarily want the parents to have their right. They want the government to have that right. I mean, you think about in some of these states where they're taking these kids. And if kid says that if they're, you know, if they're male and they say they want to be female and they're three or four years old or five or six years old, and they're in schools. Some of these places, they're not going to let the parents know and they're just going to send and start getting them in, you know, injections. And to be honest with you, those people are to be strung up, you know. But they're being told they're being told to come to California. We'll take care of you. We'll give you what you need. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's ridiculous. Where did the parents, you know. Anyway, I, think, sorry, I, think, I, think, I think the whole problem with this country right now is people quit parenting years ago. Well, it's two things. People did quit parenting, but for the longest time, the government has slowly worked to undermine the parents. I remember even when I was in, you know, early on in the state house, you know, I had one woman reach out. She was actually a supporter, but she was upset at me because I was like, you know, I am not in favor of allowing the school system to give kids contraceptives without parental notification without parents knowing it and uh, she was all tore up and 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 uh, you know but but here's the thing the government has worked to undermine the rights of parents but it's, if a kid does anything who's the first person that the government wants to hold accountable the parents you right. know so don't on one hand try to undermine their rights to raise the child as they see fit while on the other hand say you're responsible for any action that they do. Well, you know, it's, I can remember there was a situation uh, when my son was young. Right. And I had come down on him pretty hard. Okay. And uh, he looked at me at, at about seven years old. And he says, I thought you were my friend. And I smiled. I said, I'm something much more important to you. I'm your father. Yeah. And I think we spend too much time to be our kid's friend and not enough time encouraging them to grow in the right way. You know right. what I mean? And right. so I think it's a problem in our country right now. But uh, what would you like to leave the audience with today? Well, I, I'll leave the audience with what uh, a little bit of what I had said earlier. One, let me say this is the greatest state uh, in the nation, in the greatest nation in this world. Uh, Kentucky, I've traveled the state from from end to end more times than I care to mention. And I, the people are wonderful. Uh, we're diverse. Uh, people are loving. Uh, you know, and, and I just appreciate it. And I've been, you know, spreading and talking about freedom over fear over this entire state. Uh, and that's what we need. But, you know, in this race, and there is a lot of them, uh, there right now, there are 11, probably by the time it's over, there'll be 13 to 15. Uh, and, and these people are my friends. Uh, and as I said earlier, you know, if you're, I'm not a polished politician like some of them, but if you're looking for someone, who, you know, loves the Lord and loves his family and loves this country and in that order. Well, I, I hope you'll think of me 
if you're looking for someone that's fought for your freedoms and your liberties and, and your constitutional and conservative values uh, over the majority of my life, I hope you'll think of me. Uh, but when this primary is over, you know, iron sharpens iron. But, uh, but you know, when it's over, as Republicans, we've all got to come together. Yeah. Because the good book tells us a house divided cannot stand. And we've got, when, when the primary is over, we've all got to come together. Because we've got one goal, one goal in 2023. And that's to make Andy Bashir a one-term governor. And, and, and if we don't, let me just be tell you, if we don't come together when this is over, he's going to get a second term. Yeah. Uh, so we have all got my, I, I've made this commitment time and time again. Now I pray and I do think that I'm going to be the nominee for the Republican party, but if I'm not, I'll be the first one on the bandwagon supporting whoever is. So, and I would ask everyone, every candidate and every voter to do the same, but please go vote because this primary will probably be decided by 80 to a hundred thousand votes, if not less. Exactly. Well, Mike, I thank you for your time today. I don't want appreciate to, you having me on. Bill. I don't want to keep you all day. We had a we had a pregame a pre-show uh, visit before we started. I, I disclosed sure. that to everybody. I don't. Uh, I told Mike when he when we started. I said, if I've got a question on something you say, I'm going to hit you with it. And uh, I hope you think that my questions have been fair. They have. Uh, yeah. The. Uh, but you know things come up during a conversation that you know that that come out and then you want to know you know and uh, so i wanted to be to let you know that i would i would hit if it was a hard question i might hit sure. you with it you know sure. oh, oh and bill one other thing i forgot to say uh mikeharman.com if anybody wants to find out more reach out to me mikeharman.com is that where you can contribute to your campaign also that, that that's where you contribute to the campaign as well okay mikeharman.com Real easy. All right, Mike. It's been a nice interview. I've really appreciate it. it. And uh, I hope that you'll come back. Would love to. Call me the, before the election again, you know, and uh, talk to us some more. Uh, with that said, I will let you go. I want to thank everybody for watching the show tonight. Uh, thank you and God bless you. God bless your homes, your family, your spouses, your little babies. And most of all, may God bless America. Have Amen. Take care. Uh, you too.